0: Oh yes! Yeah. time for another episode of we love comics the show where we love comics and you should too i am one of your hosts factor and i'm here with the mighty marcus seabury seabury how you doing
1: i'm good because as you said i am the mighty and yeah the mighty-
0: yo the honorable hunter camp joining us
2: oh yeah here we go thor time <laughs>
0: And we have a special guest joining us. We have somebody who is always worthy, somebody who is comedically tall, somebody who is a sometimes writer at Complex, GQ, and Spy.com. We have Mr. The Wonderfully Talented, William Goodman on the show today. Mr. Goodman, how are you today?
3: What a warm welcome. I am uh, tremendously underqualified to be here with you gentlemen, but happy nevertheless.
0: Oh no. yeah.
1: You like a podcast? OG, man. Don't be
3: like that. Mr. And
0: now, Goodman and,
3: and and another wife brother. That was that was me.
0: <laughs> and we had Mr. Goodman's former podcast host, Dean Davenport, on our Tim Sale retrospective. So now we have completed the Between the Panels Trifecta. Yeah.
1: We collected the whole wave.
2: <laughs> we got I'm, we got the 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 between the panel stones.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, that is correct. We uh-huh. have the Infinity Gauntlet of Goodman and Davenport. But we Infinity are Infinity Goodman. <laughs> very happy to have Mr. Goodman here today to talk all about Thor Love and Thunder. So in case you didn't know, you can always leave us a comment down below here on YouTube or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, don't forget to click all of those infinity gems and leave us a five gem review. Thank you very much. I am very pleased to announce we are part of a podcast network, the Geek So To Speak podcast network. You can find us over at geekso slash network, all of our podcasts, which I will be talking about at the end of the show. But I wanted to start this show off right. Now, Mr. Goodman was not here for our Thor retrospective. So real quick, Mr. Goodman, what are your thoughts on Thor 1, 2, and 3?
3: Sure. So, you know, I, um, during my, our, our time between the panels, we, uh, Dan and I hit the Thor stuff pretty, pretty heavily. You know, I, I, It's well-documented. Dane and I have a bit of uh, history with the screenwriters of the original Thor, uh, Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stentz. So we we did a lot uh, when that first movie came out because we knew the screenwriters. And I think we're generally positive on that movie and and the overall Shakespearean tones of that. And I don't know if we ended up reviewing Thor The Dark World uh, or not, but but I can't say that I was a fan of that movie uh, and, and how that movie was executed really in any way shape or form uh, but really really found Thor Ragnarok to be very very engaging as I believe the majority of folks did. I thought that Taika coming into that franchise and um, and infusing it with his sensibilities from movies like Boy and What We Do in the Shadows and also Hunt for the Wilder People uh, was, was really kind of the reinvention that the character needed and and really played to Hemsworth's strengths as uh, one of our, I think, really naturally talented comedians out there. You know, I think the work that he's done in movies like um, <laughs> Ghostbusters and also, um, you know, Ghostbusters is really the, the main one. Vacation, I've seen parts of his um, his, his output from that via YouTube and, and so forth. But, I, you know, I, I felt that uh, Ragnarok was, was exactly the kind of reinvention that the franchise needed after, I, I would say, what is arguably uh the worst MCU film maybe next to Eternals. So, okay. uh, that's that's kind of that is my uh that's my kind of quake down and dirty history. Um uh, but, you know, was definitely think that that Taika was the, the the right person to refresh things. For Excellent the, for this character.
0: So, I think you're on the same wavelength as all of us. Um, I did want to let everybody know we are going to be spoiling Thor Love and Thunder. So, if you have not seen the film, um go ahead and pause this, and come back after you've seen it.
3: I, I need to leave then because I haven't
0: seen it. So, uh... <laughs> what? <laughs> Mr. Goodman, no, you are no, here for the express purpose of reviewing Thor Love and Thunder. And no, I've
3: uh, I've seen it twice at this point. So
0: I have as well. Um, and I think I would like to start this review with Mr. Goodman's thoughts overall for Thor Love and Thunder. Please let us enlighten us, Mr. Goodman
3: sure so I, uh, you know f- full disclosure i i saw the movie pretty early because i participated in the love and thunder junket and then also saw it again a second time because i had the opportunity to do that before filing my review that i ended up writing for for complex and uh I think there's a lot that I really enjoy about this movie, and I think there's a lot that just doesn't quite work for me, honestly. Um, you know, we can start with the good and then go into the bad. I always like to to do good before bad. But, um, you know, I think the performances in this, in particular, uh, Christian Bale and, and Natalie Portman, I think, are, are really, really good. Uh, and, and Hemsworth, too. Uh, you know, I think part of what I rubbed up against was the – how – just how much there is in this movie and how much the script tries to take on and what that ultimately does to the two stories that I think it's really trying to tell and and how it kind of uh, shortchanges both of those. So I think if this had been a movie that was more focused on Thor versus Gore, I think it would have been ultimately a little bit stronger or if it had been, and I, I posited this in my, my complex review, if it had basically been the you know, before sunrise, before sunset trilogy, basically of, you know, just a relationship drama between Jane and Thor. I think that really would have worked because the gore stuff is really prevalent in kind of the first half. And then the, the Taika and his co-writer really uh, whose name escapes me at this particular moment. I'll I'll go back through and look up her name, but she, she did a show called um, Sweet Vicious. Um, But the back half really keys into that Thor and Jane relationship. And I think that stuff really, really, really works. But I think you end up shortchanging both in your attempt to try and, and cover both. I mean, the, the Jason Aaron storylines that this movie covers are, are two of two modern Thor classics, basically. And it we're very, very extensive storylines uh, in, in Jason Aaron's Thor both through uh just his regular thor and then the mighty thor storyline and and so i think trying to tackle both of those is an admirable task but i think the movie kind of collapses on the weight of itself trying to do that and then this is not really something that i i brought up in my review because i didn't have a, a ton of space for it but totally i think the movie's kind of all over the map as well you know there it's one thing to have you know jokes but i think sometimes those jokes come at the expense of uh Moments that I think are, are pretty serious, and not every single moment needs to be kind of undercut with this moment, these moments of levities. I, I you know, I think there is a point in time in which these Marvel movies can be serious and, and have a little, little gravity to them without necessarily having to have jokes every five seconds. So I'm I mixed, you know, I, I do think there's a lot to admire, I, uh, but that's kind of my overall take on it.
0: Yeah, I looked up the writer is Jennifer Caton Robinson. That is right, the uh, writer, uh, Mr. Hunter Camp yes you were. you were talking to me in the theater letting me know what what your thoughts were so i know why don't you tell our listeners
2: what you thought so um just kind of in general i really 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 loved this movie um i don't want to kind of classify it in like perfect category or near perfect category like ragnarok was um because it's just insane like it's it's completely out of control and i mean that in the best way and the worst way possible (laughs) um because it's a 1980s like heavy metal album Mm -hmm. that's just on screen and it's it's got the elements of the you know the love story but like also like fighting this super galactic battle um, and then the evil, you know, like like killing God aspect of it, like those are all like almost tropes of, you know, like like Warhammer type uh, heavy metal from the eighties, like you know, not quite hair metal, but like um, more of the bolt throw, not bolt thrower, but like um, power metal, late eighties like power metal, like that's what this this movie was, and I loved it for that. Um, I loved how chaotic it was because it was incredibly chaotic like it was literally it was all over the place mm-hmm. the the first bit of the movie is like my child is dead <laughs> like I'm gonna kill God and it's like yes that's that's <laughs> great like what a great what a great concept that was and like there wasn't a better person to play that character than Christian Bale now I haven't read all of like Aaron like Aaron's run by any means so I don't want to like base too much off of my opinion based off of that um so gore is is a new character to me right um i don't have a lot of experience with gore but christian bale encapsulated what i would think a character who was a strong religious man who gives up on religion and goes and wants to kill god like the concept of like attacking and dethroning god or killing god is like such a such a really interesting thing so but it's also incredibly serious like it's an incredibly serious idea and it's an incredibly serious concept because of all the implications that that has in it because it's acknowledging the existence of god it's acknowledging creation um but also kind of like we're at the whim of you know like we're at god's whims you know um so when you think of it that way and it's like that is such a con that's such a high concept thing uh that's its own movie you know like that's its own story to tell that's a two-hour movie to explore that properly that's two hours by itself um the story between jane and thor also like that's that's a story on its own because it's like we were in love and now we have to get back together but then it's like i was surprised we have i have cancer <laughs> you know what i mean and, and so it's 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 that that story it would be on its own a two-hour story right like thor and jane getting together going on adventures and then at the end of it finding out that she had been diagnosed with cancer and like that's something that she's hiding um and then the story of her passing and getting to that point i think is its own movie too so i think all of these are are three things and each one of them are serious you know um each one of them like with the exception of the love story like that would by itself would i think be totally what this movie should have been um but i do love it I really do there was moments in it, like the moments between the characters and between the actors uh really did hit home for me like I did kind of get emotional in the theater like it worked like I'll, even regardless of how wacky and i don 't even want to say wacky, I want to just say irreverent like like the, the his his humor uh is really really irreverent, and I appreciate that because that is my style of humor um so that worked for me, you know and like the, the theater was cracking up and it's like yes that's fine but like those stories do need I think a little bit more room to breathe mm-hmm. but I don't think that was incredibly I mean, I don't think that did too much to its detriment as far as enjoying the movie because like wh- again when I went into it I had really really low expectations because the reviews were coming out bad like some of the stuff that I'd seen where people were just shocked it's like oh well he was supposed to be the savior like of of Marvel or movies <laughs> in general like we love Taika uh, and then to see kind of like where it's, where it's getting its bad reviews.
0: Um, you know, the internet really... has really turned on take Yeah. And I don't quickly. get it. Yeah. I don't understand
2: either. Uh, because I, I, do...
3: I have, a, I have a theory on some of that. This is something I wanted to bring up later on, but I, I have a couple of ideas as to why that may be the case, but yeah, you're definitely right. Um, it, it's been interesting to watch, uh, over the course of the weekend. Nice, yeah. nice out.
2: I think that there are some good points with, I think some of the things that he's done over the weekend um and i don't want like one of the things that i noticed in and i'll bring it up now um one of the things that i noticed in the movie was like how cgi'd some things looked you know, and some, like, characters, I was like, that kind of looks weird, like, I'm not sure why they did it like that, but at the same time, like, this is not a criticism of visual effects artists, especially knowing, like, what Marvel visual effects artists go through, like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, well, that was the detriment, because it didn't really take away from my enjoyment, Um, but overall, is it the best Marvel movie? No, is it the best Thor movie? No, is it in my top? Maybe, because I really had a lot of fun with it, and, like, it's it's the type of thing that that pleases me, like, as a fan of power metal, like, this was a power metal album, it's not too serious, it deals with serious concepts, but it's not. um It doesn't take itself too seriously when, but I feel like almost like they should have taken, it should have taken itself too seriously hmm. in moments. So when you have something like Gore the God Butcher and specifically Christian Bale's performance of that character in the way that it was, I feel like you had to do something like way, way more serious there. But that's yeah. my take.
1: This crap was mid to the mid, homie. <laughs> and let me... And let me tell you why. It feel like two movies to me. It feel like a real goofy movie where, hey, my ex-girlfriend's got my old hammer and now she's a thorn. Herp to her. <laughs> then, the next scene is, oh, it's Gordon God Butcher. He's a bad folk, And it's all creepy. It just it kept jumping from one tone to the other tone. And I was just, I kept waiting for some kind of connector or happy medium or... I needed the I needed the twain to meet, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I did not get that. It is a discredit to Christian Bale because, good grief, this man was putting in work, y'all. It reminds me of what I said about Matthew Fox in that uh, Alex Cross movie with uh, Tyler Perry playing Alex Cross. I always said... It's like, in Matthew Fox's mind, he's in a much better mood. <laughs> and I wanted to see that movie. That's how I feel about Christian Bell's performance. Again, the man was putting in work, you know, as a, as a student of acting. You know, I was like, yo, he is making good choices. He, you know, he is interesting to watch on screen from a technical standpoint. And, like, also... I felt sympathetic for him at first because his God wasn't as hell. Mm-hmm. When I saw him looking at the sword, I was like, oh, well, yeah, you got to. I mean, your God was <laughs> Yeah. Complete a-hole. You kind of got to get him. Like, right. you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Your God got to get the shield. But I was just like, man, I wanted more. I wanted it. To make sense, and I was hoping against hope that I finally get to see Beta Ray Bill, but still no Beta Ray Bill. I'm just yeah. like, I'm just like y'all gonna keep hating my boy Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he not a cold thug. Like he ain't got a hammer called Stormbreak. Y'all just got like a version of his hammer all up in the movie. Just no Beta Ray. Bill. Y'all better put some respect on Beta Ray Bill name. If you don't know him, do your goof. Do your Googles and do your Wikipedia's. Wikipedia's. Better rebuild that, dude. Man, it just it just didn't come together for me. And like, cause I already taped my center sundry review. It's coming soon on the on location members YouTube channel. But <laughs> look, uh, and uh, but uh, I'm not understanding
0: phase four. Yeah, I wanted to get to yeah. that. Yeah in my uh, take on it, but yeah, phase four, not only is it the longest phase so far, but it is longer than all three phases combined before this. I'm also kind of wondering what is this leading up to and what each one kind of felt like there was something at the end of the rainbow. And then phase four, it just feels like, Oh, this is just going to keep going. I don't know when this is going to end. So yeah, I'm a little bit, confused on that as well um, but I enjoyed the film myself I have I agree with everything everyone has said so far um, there's kind of issues with the tone and the and the pacing even combining all of these elements trying to push everything into one I don't know you know I kind of feel a little bit of spider-man 3 syndrome of all right we gotta push in all these different storylines and I came into it with super high expectations because Number one, I love Taika Waititi, Thor Ragnarok, one of my favorite MCU films, and these Jason Aaron stories are some of my favorites. Like uh, Goodman said, these are some of the greatest Thor stories of all time. Actually, my favorite Thor stories of all time. And trying to do justice to all of them within a two-hour movie, very difficult. So I don't think they quite stuck the landing as far as giving justice to all of them. Like they, they shoved them in there, but did they have enough room to breathe? I don't think so. Um, but again, I agree with everything everyone said, including the performances by Christian Bale. I'll even throw in the Chris Hemsworth performance. Like Goodman said, his comedic timing and Natalie Portman coming back to the MCU. That was fantastic. Um, seeing her again and seeing her get another chance at Jane Foster. Uh, because I think, there was a whole lot of animosity, and there was kind of a period where it, it just seemed like she would never come back and never play that character again. Um, so I really enjoyed seeing her come back and also seeing her try to do that comedy as well, just like Hemsworth. I just kept thinking of her Saturday Night Live hosting appearance every time which, I saw her.
2: Yeah, which I loved. Which is That's one of my favorite yeah. episodes of SNL. Yeah, 100%.
0: Of all time. Um,
3: Should. Not not to quickly interject, but is it would it be worthwhile to kind of like run through why Portman was like potentially uninterested in coming back? And yeah. just for for folks that maybe not have context. So yeah, um <clears throat> before Alan Taylor of of Terminator Genesis fame and also of of he's um longtime Sopranos director, directed episodes of Game of Thrones. Before he took over Throughout the Dark World, uh, Patty Jenkins of Wonder Woman thing was actually supposed to be directing that movie. Natalie Portman went out of her way, I think, to really be the facilitator between Marvel Studios and and Patty and bring her on. And that was kind of her choice. Hmm. And I believe, you know, there were some creative differences. I'm not sure what exactly in that those things were. My guess is it probably had to do something with kind of setting up of the, the Aether and the Power Stone. And hmm. so nevertheless. All right. When Marvel kind of unceremoniously let Patty go, I think that really, really frustrated Natalie Portman. And, um, you know, Kevin Feige's come out and said afterwards, and and Natalie's kind of talked around it as well, that, um, you know, she wasn't opposed to it. And and not to toot my own horn, but in the interview that I I did with her, I think she was, she made it seem at least that she was receptive to it if it was a good idea. Hmm. Uh, And that, you know, I, I think some of the things that happened in Endgame... Uh, when maybe did not fall on that or they just didn't even try and, and bother uh, because they had this leftover footage from thor the dark world that they're able to kind of incorporate into that but you know not a particularly good thing if you can't even get natalie portman to come back for the end credit sequence right that thor the dark world end credit sequence is actually that is not natalie portman that hemsworth is kissing it's actually his wife elsa pataki in a <laughs> <That's> wig <nice. laughs> uh, so great that these these thor movies kind of continue to be a family affair I believe Elsa Pataki also has a cameo in yes. this as the the wolf woman, basically. Right. But, um, you know, the the relationship there for a while, I think, was pretty strained. And, and I do think it took Taika kind of coming to Portman with this material and saying, mm-hmm. not only do we want to just, you know, not only make you an action star, but we want to give you this weighty cancer storyline as well. And that, I think, was enough to incentivize her and, and bring her back. But, yeah, I mean, for – a long time, it seemed like that was kind of really, really off the table.
0: Yeah, when I saw her on the red carpet for... Endgame, was it Endgame? Yeah, it was Endgame. I was like, whoa, she's there! And then she came out of Comic-Con and had the hammer. Um, so yeah, that was very interesting, um, seeing that whole circle, coming full circle of having her back in the MCU, having her come back to Jane Foster. Um, I think the you either you either love Taika's humor or you don't. I think it's kind of very polarizing to the point where some people were turned off as too much comedy of too much. um, I myself personally felt like it was in line with the previous Taika comedy that we've seen. And it almost to the point where there was no restraint of Taika. There was no telling him, Hey, we need to pull it back maybe a little bit. And, because of the success of Ragnarok, now this is all conjecture. I don't know exactly what happened, but he was let's release. You know, give him the rein free reign. Do whatever you want. Here's all the all the comedy you want. Throw it in there. Uh, we haven't even mentioned Tessa Thompson yet. Um, that's
3: that's something I wanted to bring up. Um, Tessa, God I love her, is woefully underused in this movie to a point yeah, where it's it's really really frustrating considering how much of a, a major part of uh, Ragnarok yeah. she is. And yeah, to to your point, as actor, um, really. Uh, in a podcast I was listening to today brought this up, um, so I'm, I'm kind of cribbing this phrase from them directly, but really high batting average for Korg in this movie just a <laughs> right. lot of a lot right. of court time yes. and it, it's a little bit of of taika maybe perhaps getting high on his own supply mm. but again yeah. th- that is kind of what you get if you're bringing in taika for these movies right um right. i do wonder you know there was a, a really great new york times profile by dave Iskoff uh on taika prior to this movie coming out and i wonder if this is just a symptom of, of tech is doing a lot mm-hmm. right now right and yeah he is yeah i i wonder you know if if this is a circumstances of maybe being old spread too thin um mm. and and there's something i think we'll also probably touch on is perhaps the mcu being spread too thin as well
2: yeah
0: seabury or how you are you're gonna say
2: something uh, yeah the comment about the mcu being spread mm-hmm. too thin i think that like that's a really good point um one thing to to kind of factor into what what trent was saying before about this being the the, the, the the most hours like it's the technically longest version of the phases right mm-hmm. like that is something to do with tv obviously like that's a big chunk of it because that adds so many hours um i think that we're 100 percent correct in saying that the, the mcu is red tooth thin, obviously because i think there's just too much like i don't mind watching a show every once in a while like i don't really watch a lot of tv but at the same time like if it's good i want to watch it um same thing with movies and i had seen literally everything up through endgame and then when um i don't know if it's just the release schedule that they had but or or the timing of when they decided like hey this is where we're gonna start to, to roll things out like I didn't see Black Widow like I haven't seen Shang-Chi like I have not seen the Eternals like none of these movies have I seen and then the TV shows I just can't keep up with so it's it is too much and it's like maybe pare down on half like maybe not have 85 shows maybe only have like 27 you know
3: What's what's interesting is you bring that up is actually the 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 re- release schedule for this year is really not that much different than what it was last year. We're getting three shows and three movies, but I mm-hmm. think all of that in a condensed two-year period yeah. with you know some shows that I think honestly have been you know a bit lackluster. You know, and I guess last year we technically got four because we had uh, we had one division, we had talking on the Winter Soldier, we had Loki, and we had hawkeye. hawkeye as well yeah you know out of those four i would say probably the two that work the best are probably loki which is pending miss marvel i think landing this finale uh you know we're, we're recording this the day before the miss marvel finale hits um you know, I think Loki so far in a way is the best thing they've done. WandaVision did not work quite as well for me as I think it did for some other people. Mm, I, uh, I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is, is uh, unfortunately a victim of just some COVID-related issues that just totally do not really bring that home together in a really effective way. I think part of Hawkeye worked before that series in particular really feels like we're using this to set up 50 different future Marvel mm-hmm. TV shows in a way that is kind of frustrating Moon Knight just fundamentally did not work for me really much past the acting at all. I think the storyline in that was pretty blase. Um and then you know, Miss Marvel, I think pending pending that I think will be up there with Loki, but that's a lot in a condensed period, right? On top of having, you know, all of these um all of these Marvel movies right. um, as well. So
0: and Seabray and- Seabray, this was fifty hours of content in mm-hmm. two years. <laughs> I, my lord. All right, well
3: look. <laughs>
1: I, would seen all the series. I I mean most of the series worked for me. The only series that I was just like, what the hell on was Moon Knight? Like when I did a deep dive there on Center sundry I had to pull in one of my comics OG that was even more, you know, deep than me. And I'm pretty deep in, you know, obscure Marvel lore. Uh but, man, like, cinematically, man, like, I saw Black Widow. I was like, it's cool, but what's the point of it? Oh, y'all trying to set up the new Black Widow. So we had to go through a whole damn movie <laughs> for y'all to set up the new Black Widow. All right, gotcha. Then, Shang-Chi was cool. Eternals probably should have been a series, because they just crammed way too much in that stuff.
2: hmm
1: I love Spider-Man No Way Home. But then after that, it was like, Doctor Strange Mother versus Mad. Madness. That was kind of mid to me. And now we got this, what I call, Thor mid and thunder. <laughs> like, it's just super mid, man. It's just all right. Like, and all I know about Phase 4 is, Wong's the surface of spring, And boy, that guy gets around. And Kang is supposed to be the big bad. But we
3: ain't even seen Kang yet.
1: We is saw- Kang's?
2: Is he supposed to be the big man?
3: That I think that's the working theory, but that's the thing is we yeah. don't know. And and actually now that Seabury lays this out, I realize we got four shows and four movies last year, so so slightly more than we're used to, right? But t- typically the cadence for Marvel movies over the last couple year has been anywhere from from two to three. Yeah. Nevertheless, I, I think that's part of the issue. You know, I, I think kind of the the unofficial reading of the tea leaves here is that we are headed towards Secret Wars, but yeah. I think even within that. <laughs> I, you know, I I'm gonna assume all of you guys have have read the Hickman run. That is a weighty, weighty, weighty storyline, and and to dive into that, I think in the next five years, I you know, I don't know how they're going to set all of that up and. Yeah. To me, yeah. setting up Kang as the villain of that movie is kind of fundamentally unless they're pointing on doing a hybrid of kind of the original Jim Shooter Secret Wars and, and Hickman Secret Wars and, and kind of pulling in incursions and, and so forth. You know, that uh that Hickman thing is is far more of a Fantastic Four based thing. Yes. Than right. it is an Avengers-based thing. You know, I, I think it, it it spun out of Avengers stuff. When you really look at that, that is fundamentally a conflict between Doctor Doom and Reed Richards. I mean, that is the crux of that story, and it is kind of a culmination of all of Hickman's stuff, minus his X-Men stuff. Which that's the other thing we have to throw in <laughs> here is we have all these yeah. these Fox properties that have barely started to kind of find their way into here, minus Deadpool, which I assume we're going to get an announcement for at at Comic Con. So I think. You know, we have an idea of what this is, but the roadmap of that, I think, like we don't even have an idea as to when the next Avengers movie is going right. to be. You know, so, and mm-hmm. phase the sixth movie of Phase One was Avengers, and we're at that point already yeah. in Phase Four. So it, it's tr- I do think there is some level of like I don't really know what we're going to, and I don't necessarily mind not having an idea, but. It, I think they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, by having these giant multiversal type things and then having these standalone adventures. And we're not really having that kind of back and forth to varying degrees of success. I think kind of makes it so that you don't know really what you're walking into when you go and see one of these, it's like, is this going to be something that's kind of this keystone part of, you know, the MCU for the next 15 years, or is it going to be this kind of one-off adventure thing? And right. You know, I, I, it's okay to have both, but they need to be better than yeah. what they are right now, and and that's just not the case.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So you've you got some great points there, and like I think that like when we were talking about like the heaviness of things, right? Um. There's so many, and and again, there were so many opportunities I think to make sense out of it and lead us somewhere. Um. With Loki, um. What what are like Loki Spider Man? Anything where you've introduced the multi- multiverse, right? right? Like where, where you've where you've played with that, mm-hmm. um, Wandavision, like any of these movies, right? Doctor Strange, you. But every single time there's they've been gun shy and haven't really like gone any kind of level of distance. And I feel like if they had done this with, and like had the the multiverse bleed over then you could have brought the fantastic for in, like you could have, have started to to bring that and make that make sense out of that so leading into secret wars like i think that's something you could have accomplished but there's their gun check. the other part is like the level the way that the marvel cinematic universe has been handling like serious concepts and ideas such as cancer and uh like did with uh moon knight It's like we want to make something that's, like, really serious and tackle some serious things, but we can't really do it. So, like, whenever there is something that's, like, heavy in any way, it's like, well, we're just going to kind of brush over it or make this just a part of something else. Um, And I think that that's that's a a pretty big mistake. And I think that that gives me, like, a lack of faith in what we're going into because there's no like you said there's no we don't know and it's not a problem like not knowing is fine but when it it starts to play with trust because it's like these aren't great like mm-hmm. I love love and thunder like I think it was a fun time and it had a great time seeing it um I, I had a great I just had a great time but was it like good or a great movie no but like and that's fine, but that's just indicative of like the overall Marvel vision of everything else. Because I don't remember the last time I could say that like I saw a truly good Marvel movie, like out like in this phase.
3: Your point. I, I think the MCU is constituted is not really equipped or mm-hmm. or has been fundamentally built to handle these weighty things. Yeah, and even when we get something like in Black Panther, where we have this idea of like really grappling with some like pretty heavy themes, I think the The reason why we had this is because we have someone like Ryan Coogler who I think is like really adept at handling those things, right? I mean, even in Ragnarok, Taika kind of plays with this idea of kind of like colonialism, but it's mm-hmm. it's it's very surface level and is like not you can ascribe as much weightiness to it as you want it to mm-hmm. be. And I think you can go, you know, you can build a lot of uh, on top of what I think is a pretty rusty foundation or, or, or unstable foundation. But if you really start to scrutinize that, there's not a lot of there there. And I think it's the same thing with Love and Thunder. I, I I do think like the idea of, you know, I, Hunter, I really liked the movie that you were pitching about, uh, about Gore sort of having this like fundamental, like uh, crisis of faith and and we get parts of that, but there's not, it's just mm-hmm. a kernel of an idea that then is kind of ushered aside because we have to go see Russell Crowe's Zeus talk about orgies for 15 <laughs> minutes, which is perfectly fun and funny. And I enjoyed yeah. that, but like I, that sequence could have been, Excluded to have more of that relationship between Gore and what he's doing. And I mean, the, you know, I don't necessarily need to see all these things, but one of the things that was slightly frustrating to me is like Gore's God butchering happens almost entirely off screen. And yes. I know there were some versions of of that in the supposed four hour cut that Taika put together originally, which, you know, we're not going to do a release. The Taika cut director's cuts are <laughs> director's cuts for a reason, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's, you put everything but the kitchen sink in there and then you work down from there. But you know, that is one of the the huge impacts of the the Jason Aaron story with with Gore is just seeing the kind of the desecration of the universe and in it adds a level of seriousness to gore that I won't say that the movie doesn't have because I think it, Bale is so effective, I think, at at uh, making the most of what he has. But I, I do think there could have been even more of an impact if those things had not been ushered off to the side. You know, the real yeah. the only real investigation we get is with that giant. Spike thing that is basically a a complete recreation of the rebic page that in that oh, that yeah. Jason Aaron right. forerun. run, but otherwise like there's really not a whole lot of you know stuff there, and even then that comes at this sort of expense of Jane talking or not sorry not Jane of of Sif talking about how her arm might be in Valhalla which mm. she won't be in Valhalla, <laughs> which yeah. is like a good bit, but you know I, I think it takes um and I do realize that they're trying to do that with with Gore kind of kidnapping the kids and stuff like that, but you know, again, to your point, Hunter, this, that, the gore, you, you have to pick a lane here. It needs yeah. to either be the gore story or it needs to be the Jane story, but it can't right. be both, in my opinion. And,
2: and to be fair, like, and not just, the material that, that Bale was working with was great. Like, it just didn't make sense with the other stuff. Like, from uh from a storytelling aspect, it made sense because, like, you know, point A got to point B and that, that of course, made sense. So we tied it together. Um, But it was like watching a different movie, And I don't, and it's not bad because like if you did that story and had the, like the sense of humor attached to it, like it wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. Like, but it was like watching that movie that I want to see because it was incredibly serious. It was incredibly dark. It was incredibly weighty, uh, but it was just, that was the only part that was.
0: Yeah. Um, Saber, I'll get, I'll, I'll get to you in a second real quick. I did also notice that like Goodman said, where. A lot of the God-butchering stuff was off-camera. Jane becoming Thor, also off-camera. It it felt like, like we said, just too much converging, and we have to push stuff aside. Wait a minute. I want to see that stuff. I want to see him butchering all these guys. I want to see Jane becoming Mighty Mm -hmm. Thor. Uh, But I digress. See, are you going to say something?
1: Yeah, they put a Leonard part six on us. (laughs) You would have enjoyed his first (laughs) five minutes. (laughs) all right but look man y'all be saying y'all don't care about not knowing where they're going i care i care a lot like the bear
2: i care (laughs) in the context of of what they're presenting like in general i don't need to know but with with where they are and what they're doing like i feel like we do so to clarify i'm completely with you i just think that in an idea in a in a philosophical way. Like, I don't need to know everything, but where you're, where we're dealing with right now, you're 100% right. We do need to
1: know. I, I like plans. I like labels. I like schemes. I like <laughs> devices. Well, like, I want to say
0: that's the whole reason why we signed up for this is the interconnectivity of everything. That's what we loved about Phase 1. Everything was building to the Avengers. Everything building to Thanos. We We as comic book fans, we want that because that's what the connected universe was something we hadn't gotten before and it was novel. It was, you know, something that was fresh. Now at this point in phase four, not only is it no longer novel, but now it doesn't feel like there's a clear path. And I'm, I'm with you guys to the point of, I don't need to know, but Marvel needs to know. And I don't feel yeah. like they know what's going on. They don't, it doesn't feel like they have everything mapped out. So that's where I, my, where I fall is I think they need to figure this out before. Yes. Me.
2: And it it's... felt like we were dealing with the multiverse. Like that felt like what we were going to do. And it's like, that doesn't seem to be like the end game here, you know, sorry to the pun, but it's like the one thing, <laughs> the one kind of consistence. I would say that I can read into this is magic and gods and gal- you know, a galactic thing. Um, So I, th- I feel like that's where we're, where we're going, but I also need, like I need clarity because this is, mm-hmm. this is too much of an investment, but Galactus could come and that's really cool.
3: It's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because we've been kind of conditioned to, to Vector's point about kind of expecting all of these things to interlock and interconnect. Right. And for the same time, like prior, when we were first starting out, like we didn't really kind of know to what extent that all these pieces are going to fit together. So I, you know, it, it, it's hard to balance those things because i i I am okay not knowing but it is then hard to kind of figure out what all of this is mm-hmm. essential versus maybe not essential because it's one of those things it's like okay well and you explain it they have to do and in, in some of this it's like it you know for example like when I, we see captain america 4 when that comes out next year or the year after like how important is falcon and the winter soldier really going to be right if if we basically have to recap these <laughs> these shows in movie form it's like yeah you might mm-hmm. have some extra context there right and and that's really no different than reading you know reading a monthly thor title and then going on to read you know realm uh, you know war of the realms crossover. basically or, yeah. a crossover event right mm-hmm. but you're diluting your brand if you're doing that right. you're if you say everything's important and then actually when you when it's time to go and look at everything you can say oh actually no we can just explain right we can literally say, if you're Dr. Yeah. Strange, I'm not here about Westview. Like, then right. was it really important? And I, I think that's just the the tension where we're at right now. It's like, not everything can be important all the time. And yeah. it, it just, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a difficult position. And I'm curious to see and, how much of this FaiU potentially addresses in a little under two weeks when they're at, in 10 days, when they're, when they're at Comic-Con.
2: Right, yeah. And at, at the end of the day, like, I don't, like, I, I, I I want to swear here, but like, I'm going to refrain my, I'm going to refrain, (laughs) but like, I really, you know, don't care at all. If it's like, if it's, if it's quote unquote important, like, I don't care if it's important as long as it's good, Mm -hmm. but like, you're not giving me good, you know? So like it, it, if Loki has nothing to do with anything that's going on with any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe outside of the television show, fine like because it was actually good it was a good time and I enjoyed it like WandaVision had a great run in the first part but just turned in just dumb and then so like it also wasn't important because like do you you, we've all seen Doctor Strange do you feel like you had to watch WandaVision for that
0: now in any way it felt like Wanda's arc is re repeated yeah it's absolutely repeated
2: it 100% is and then um I'm sure that when I see Captain America four, like it won't matter that I did not watch Falcon and Winter Soldier because I know who those characters are, and it was probably fun, you know. Like I'm sure it was yeah. uh, more <laughs> or less. <laughs> um, I like Miss Marvel, but like, is it is it going to impact? Is is will it impact any Captain Marvel stuff that's going forward? Probably not, but it's good. So who cares? Because of the story that's there, like you're telling a good story. Um, any of the other TV shows, like. Hot, like Hawk. I you know that I love the Hawk, Hawk Guy series, right? And I know that that was supposed to be what this was based off of, but this wasn't it, man. Like not at all, not in any ways. So I didn't finish it because I was just like, no, this is this is a waste of time, and I don't care if it like set up anything else. And I bet if I watch anything afterwards, it won't matter if I watch Hawk Guy or not.
0: I think we're just all in a little bit of Marvel fatigue at this point, and. I've gone kind of a roller coaster on the the connectivity because, for me, the peak was Ralph Boner in WandaVision. Everything after Ralph Boner, oh, I've gone I... down.
2: Oh, you like Ralph Boner? No, that that was the most insulting thing that I've like experienced from any but entertainment. See, I thing.
3: I, I mm. like that Marvel was kind of doing. I don't know. I like this kind of trolley stuff. Like, I like the <laughs> fact that they killed, they brought in the Illuminati only to kill them off in like the most. Bro, I'm way paying
2: for your play. stuff. Don't troll me. Like, <laughs> if this was free, I mean, a little
3: a little jab like, every now and again is not like this the worst thing in the
2: world. If this was on ABC, you're good. You control me all you want, but if I'm paying for your content, like, <laughs> dude. Man, look, that was the first thing you offered to us, and it's a troll job. Like, give me a break, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, that was so infuriating. And especially because I love, uh, like, Evan Peters, and I think he did a great job as Quicksilver, and to bring him in and give him, like, the costume of what the Marvel Cinematic Universe could do, like, that's just that's just insulting, and I hate you for it, and I will never forgive them. Yeah. And the and the, and the last episode was trash, WandaVision.
3: I, the lighter crawling on 4chan.
2: Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is the
3: exact reason why they should continue to do this because of the no. upset you guys are. Bad. No, but I
2: won't. But here's the thing. I won't see I won't watch their stuff. Like I that's don't the think thing. they care. No, but I mean like if that were if that were the mentality of I don't know, man, I feel like it does anybody really like to be trolled like that? I mean, you might, Goodman.
3: I don't it's it's I don't it's annoying you know, it's, to me. But I do think it's like I don't know I I'm in sort of a weird position because I I, I cover this stuff I write a lot about yeah. it I am a fan but at the same time like you look at and I don't want to turn this into like a larger conversation but it's like fans are wrong sometimes like mm-hmm. and, yeah. and sometimes like you I think you have to just like you you can't acquiesce to fans all of the time and I I think it's you know, I think that oh, kind yeah. of bait, bait and switch was like a f- was a fun way to kind of have your cake and eat it too. And you know, it sounds like that didn't really work for you. And I think that's perfectly fine. You know, I, I think there's a line between we're actively trolling and, and we're just we're poking a little mm-hmm. fun at a little bit. And so I think there's there's a fine line there. And I, I, I would rather that. Um, you know, Marvel's the only one that can really kind of determine whether or not that that's too far or, or not sure. far enough. But you know, I, I do think it is important that these. You know these companies are not just totally acquiescing to fans all the time, or sure. that's what you get. And R- Rise of Skywalker, yeah, that's to I com- open that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I, compl-
2: I completely agree with you, and like I don't, I I just declare like I completely completely agree. I think that when you play with your audience's money, though, like that's why I say like it's okay here or there. But like when I'm paying for your stuff, like don't troll me too much. And if it was just sure. the Ralph Boner thing uh that's fine but when you come back less than a year later and do the illuminati like eh, like this is starting to get a to be a trend so don't keep doing this to me but But like if you just did if i don't trust them now like Mm -hmm. i don't think that that's not going to be a continuous thing right like i think that it will because i think they get off on it so like
0: i think that's, that's
2: almost like a marvel directive now
3: I don't know if I agree with that at all. I We're going to get the Illuminati and the Six One Six. It's going to be very different. I think this is their way to have some fun with some casting things, have some fan fulfillment, sure. and then not have it stick around. I, I don't think we're going to get a consistent troll job from Marvel moving forward. But I think you know. um I, I hope that's true. true.
2: I yeah. I hope yeah. that's true. I don't. I don't believe it. Right. I
3: hear you, Goodman. But two times is a pattern.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Three <laughs> two times, times is a pattern. In- <laughs> Three times is a pattern. <laughs> So yeah, let's let's in, talk a
3: year from now and, and see and yeah, then we we'll can see. have that discussion. But
2: I think you know, Hawkeye I, was a troll job though, just in general though. Like um, that was, that was mm.
3: You mean I as don't know far if as... I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that, but that series was yeah. not as, you know, that series was really, I think sold to us or, or sort of marketed presented as a kind yeah. of one-to-one adaptation of the fraction series and that yes. was certainly not the case that was there was the mcu doing a karaoke version of that fraction story right. but we're yes. getting slightly off topic here yeah as, i was being as, flippant
2: as... i was being flippant and just saying the same <laughs> existence of it was a troll job but that was just that was sure crazy.
3: yeah of yeah. course yeah, yeah yeah
2: um
3: no that was that was a, a point for me to say that uh a jumping off point for me to to talk largely about you know how i just i think that um series series just was not it attempted to do what that fraction series was doing, but it was a pale imitation thereof.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I did want to talk about gore a little bit more. We talked about kind of his introduction, very much what Hunter was wanting from him. And then we talked about kind of him, the actual butchering of the gods getting pushed aside. I think for me, I love Christian Bale. I think, did a great job on the performance. I never felt like Thor was in danger. Like I did in the comic and in the Jason Aaron run, Gore was like terrifying. He's something that I was oh, like, nice. how I literally thought, how is Thor going to beat him? I don't think he's going to make it. And in the movie, I always, I'm, it might be because of the comedic tone, but I always felt safe with Thor and I never felt like Gore was going to kill all the gods. And it so, they, they ended up just being a magic thing. Oh yeah. I'm just going to wish him away instead of mm-hmm. in the comic, there's an actual device, a bomb that is going to go off at the beginning of time and, and take out all the gods, but
2: you go ahead. Honey. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. So um, my take on that was that it didn't seem like he really wanted to kill Thor because even Thor even Thor kind of agreed after he met all the gods, he was like, these people suck. <laughs> and right. I, I thought that was kind of great too um and that was actually one of
0: the and i don't want to spoil too much of the comic for you but some of the comic was thor discovering oh wait a minute there are i should be acting more like a god there are people who are praying to me and i should be answering their prayers i should be helping them the Mm -hmm. way that gods have existed and the way that the the way that the status quo has been the gods are kind of a-holes they are kind of messed up um and that's what they explored in the comic but here's another thing real quick have you guys got a weird sense of they didn't know what to do with the whole and hunter you and i have talked about this many times they're not gods they're aliens and so mm. it's they're just advanced from us and we, they look like yeah. gods to us. but then in this movie it's like oh wait no they are gods and there's zeus and there he's got the thunderbolt and then he's He's talking about the lesser gods, and then the and we saw the beginning the god that Gore has, and it's like, wait a minute, oh, so they are gods, so they're not aliens.
2: Well, he, so my take on this, right? So like, no, first it was it was portrayed that the Asgardians were aliens, just right? Asgardians. Yeah, that's how it was portrayed. Um, at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't negate their like the alien aspect at all, um, because they just could address themselves as gods now. Because, like, if you address me as a god consistently, like, after I'm like, no, I'm not, or whatever, I'm just a person, um, or if I colonize a planet, and I'm far more, like, advanced than the people on this planet, or whatever, like, if you call me a god, I'm like, yeah, you're right, I am, you know, um, so I'm just gonna roll with that, and then have my, my nice little, like, planetary meetup with all the other ones, and be like, hey, let's have an orgy, you know, sounds good to me, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying, like, so I don't think it negates that concept, but I don't, so I, I, it's a it's a very, very, uh, I, I have a lot of thoughts on that in general. And I think it's a dangerous topic for me to talk about any further than I already have, because it will okay. be three hours from now and I won't shut up.
0: Well, maybe we can come back to that on another note, but I, I really felt like the, and again, going into it. This is one of my favorite comic storylines of all time. And, and I have to kind of temper my expectations because it's not going to be a direct adaptation, kind of like with the Hawkeye thing, where I'm thinking it's going to be the fraction run. And I'm thinking it's going to be, um, you know, the things that we've seen in the comics. But I felt like Gore should have been like the Joker in Dark Knight, where, you know, some men aren't logical. They don't want money. They they can't be bought, bullied, reason, or negotiate with it. They just want to watch the world burn. That's how Gore should have been to me, and I didn't get that from this this version that was written on the page. Like I said, Christian Bale's performance great. Yeah, but I just didn't think it was on the page. You know, on the the, the,
2: the crazy added, thing is like it terrified me.
0: I want you to read the comic. Um, I, oh, don't worry. With, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Seabury, you yeah. want to say something?
2: I said I think it's because they added the daughter, man. Mm.
1: So oh, that, like, made him sympathetic. And then right. it came out because how did they beat him? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Gore, you really want love. <laughs> True.
0: And then, yeah, and then he's redeemed at the end. And, again, not to spoil the comic, but that is not the way it goes in the comic. He, he is not someone to be redeemed. And, oh, he just wanted love the whole time, and now I understand, Gore. Because there's always something that we understood about, we could see his point of view. It wasn't just a black and white necessarily. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of gray because of the way he was treated, but that like Seabury said, that sympathy of, Oh, he's got a daughter and that, and he's, he's doing everything for the daughter. And instead of just wishing for himself and his daughter to be alive, he only wished for his daughter to be alive. And this is kind of a weird, like the logic at the end kind of was a little bit off to me, but like I said, it, it just wasn't there for me on the page to, to for Gore to be more menacing and to show that he's killing all the gods because besides that god at the beginning, I didn't see him kill any other gods. He, he stole there, the children.
3: There is that footage in when the guardians are doing, which that's the, the guardians are like might as well have not been in this at all, other than just yeah. the fact that like this is something that was ported over from Endgame, nevertheless yeah we see some of that in i I think kind of like the the aftermath of some of that stuff and the the visuals that the guardians are going through, but you know, I don't think it's um you know and, and we hear about it from from Zeus and some of the other gods in omnipotent city like we we hear, oh, there is this kind of this crazy person running around killing gods, but factor <clears throat> to your point the the ending i think um is a little bit too kind of lovey-dovey i think Mm -hmm. for for my sensibilities which is also a problem i kind of ran up against with everything everywhere all was just the kind of this like you know love conquers all thing just like as a story beat like doesn't work super well Mm -hmm. too too neat
0: tied up in a bow at the end yeah um Um,
3: and but but i do think it it works for this more humanistic mm -hmm. um understandable relatable version of gore which i think is even more so than kind of that that rule Understandable point of view that we get in the comics. Like, I, I do think they kind of soften his edges here a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They do. And so I, I think because of that, we don't get a gore that is ultimately terrifying, um as terrifying as he is in, in the comic. And right. I think, you know, it it's okay for these things to change and evolve. There, there has not been a straight one to one adaptation right. in anything in the MCU, with the exception of maybe, maybe Winter Soldier. uh But even then, you have all the stuff with Hydra in there. Right. So. You know, I, I think it's fine for these things to grow and evolve, but um I think part of what disappoints me is how good Bill is with what he has. You yeah. just want there to be yeah. more there and have him to have more of an opportunity to lean into that menacing side. Because when he has an opportunity to do it, it is really effective.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think this is just another uh, another kind of nail in the coffin for Marvel doesn't know how to handle villains. And this goes back to Obadiah Stane and Iron Man, like the weakest part of these, all the MCU movies is the villains. And it really, With the
3: exception of Loki. Well, yeah. Who is a character in this, whose presence, I, I, his absence, I do really think that you feel, and I, I kind of admire the, the, these movies moving on as Loki has kind of gone off and done his own thing. But i mean loki's arc within the mcu is is very very tragic and Mm -hmm. i I do think that tragedy that thor has uh befallen throughout the course of these movies does kind of inform kind of that milieu that he's stuck in that the kind of you know mid-god crisis that he's having basically in the very beginning so i think it's effective in 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 that way but i do think you uh you feel the absence of loki and this especially because he is him and Thanos, I think, are really in Killmonger to a certain extent. Oh, yeah, are really the, the villains that have been really, really effective in these movies. And so, not having Loki here for once is takes some readjusting, I think. Definitely.
0: Yeah, well,
2: so, like, the with how you presented that, like, the most effective uh villains in, in the MCU were mm-hmm. uh Killmonger, Loki, uh, Loki, and Thanos, and Thanos. And I feel like all of those were the relatable ones, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Thanos wasn't really a bad guy, you know, not really, you know, like, right. let's, let's, let's be right. honest. Like, is it, is it a terrible thing to, you know, reduce population? <laughs> yes. Right. Because it shouldn't be in your power, but like <laughs> understanding like where that comes from, I'm going to not say anything else about that. Cause it's going to sound really horrible. So just let's, let's not say that. Um, but then like with Loki, like Loki was not a bad guy um killmonger is definitely not a bad guy um and then i'd even say that that's that's i would classify gore in that category because a category mm-hmm. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> but so it was like the, the 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 blade or the sword corrupted him you know mm-hmm. like yes he was angry but like and he wanted revenge but that was what what caused all of that to happen once the blade breaks kind of makes sense that okay well now i just want to bring my daughter back it, yeah, because he wasn't yeah. a bad guy, and I'm a sucker. So like, I always, I always really do love like the power of love stories. So like, I that that's always gonna work on me no matter what. I watch Hallmark movies. I don't care, Marcus. You shake your head at me. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. Well, I
0: think Seabury, let's give you the last word before we wrap up this review of Love and Thunder.
1: more well, Valhalla would be cool. I mean, Hercules would be cool. You know, that's a guy that I got hip to in the 80s, you know, when he was on the Avengers. Just make it make sense, man. (laughs) Like, come on, Feige. Kevin Feige, like, you're better than this. Or at least been better than this. Like, come on, man. Make it make sense. I need a through line. I need some connectivity. I need... I need to see the big bad a little bit more. Um, and I mean, like, and I also hope you're not just, you know, giving us all this Wong to like kill him off or something. Because, you know, I really don't trust him. I really don't trust him. Because yeah. like, oh, look at Wong.
0: We know, I, two Wongs, Wongs don't make Wong. a white. Yeah. I think.
3: It's, it's quickly, Factor, it's funny you bring that up seabury because this is not i'm taking this concept from the um the the big picture podcast which i'm I'm a big fan of but um a point they they brought up on that is like at what point are we going to start getting payoff to some of these post credits tags Mm -hmm. especially for the stuff that we're getting in phase four like we have seen the stuff with the ten rings and uh you know two well two in in shang chi both with you know shang chi actually being potentially like one of the more powerful avengers and and then also and sort of this like inner some sort of threat that is out in the universe that is coming for the rings or the the, the origins of the rings yeah. you know then we have you know the, the stuff with Herc, the stuff with valhalla here there's just a lot of stuff that's coming it's like
0: clear pulling dr strange into
3: well that tracks a little bit more with kind of the incursion stuff things that we're going to see in, in secret wars right like I, I can look at that and basically say like okay that's probably where this is going to go but like this 10 rings thing is like Mm -hmm. is that going to be a disney plus tv show is that setting up for a shang chi sequel like what is happening with like the rings and kind of this like global kind of thing or what's happening with harry styles being eros like Mm -hmm. all of these things are kind of just like i I don't know at what point these things are going to pay off yeah. Or if they are even going to pay off, so like, what's the point of of being in, in, invested in some of these things at this point? Well, it almost
0: seems like they're each going to their own individual. Like, okay, Eternals, they're setting up Eternals too, and and we talked about um, the Clea that okay, put that over in Secret Wars, it, but nothing seems to be lining up like connecting everything together. It's just they're each individual stories, and I want to see more interconnectivity. That's my personal thing um but i think we all kind of had the same we we liked it we didn't love it we wish it would have been uh, just a little bit more oh, I love had it. more uh time to breathe oh uh, hunter i think is the most yeah
2: i, I legit loved it like okay. i did it just i i will admit that it was not like a great movie mm-hmm. hunter, yeah, loved had- it for personal reasons
0: right if you
3: had to give it a star rating what what would you put it at
2: so if i were giving it a star rating i would say 50 stars <laughs> um but that's because i did enjoy it a lot do yep. if i'm out of 100 out of, you know, out of five <laughs> give me
3: out of five
2: that was um <laughs> if i'm writing a review on it where other people are going to be listening to like what and not thinking about it through the filter that i'm thinking about through it probably like a seven and a half oh well, you out of five so let's say three point three and a half three yeah
0: yeah and i think like i said we're all kind of as seabury said mid on it um not the worst of the mcu not Not at all um
3: one thing i really quickly wanted to touch on that i I do want to give some credit you know i I think one of the main issues that i know a a lot of were uh, I don't want to say this without sounding overly pretentious, but a lot of, uh, let's call it space spade. more pretentious, I think, film critics that have, have levied complaints at the MCU for not being overly visually distinctive and, mm. and credit where credit is due between a, a lot of the stuff in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of the Madness, a movie that I actually, I think, is probably my favorite of this phase so far. Ooh. And it sounds like I'm kind of an outlier on that. Mm. But the what Raimi was able to bring to that film in terms of visuals, I think, was very, very impressive and very unlike anything we've seen in mm-hmm. the MCU this far. In right. the same the the sequence in the Shadow Realm, I thought was incredible and and oh, was, extraordinarily yeah. well done. And I think it stands up as like one of the best, like, unimpeachably like one of the best individual like visual sequences of the MCU. So I, I just wanted to reference that really quickly because I think it is so striking. And you kind of have that like Harryhausen style Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, with the creepy crawlies kind of moving around like that way. And that whole sequence I think was, was really inspired. And I want to see more of that stuff moving forward.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think we all enjoyed some parts of it and um, hopefully we will get, you said Thor is going to be returning. So hopefully the next outing, uh, the, the, the next time we see Thor, we will all enjoy him a little bit more. Um. So that's going to do it for this episode of we love comics the show where we love comics and you should too. I want to bi- give a big thank you to Mr. William Goodman for joining us. We very much appreciate all of your contributions and please let us know where we can find your work on the internet.
3: Sure. Uh, so you can find me at twitter.com slash Goodman W at Goodman W. It's probably the best place. Uh, but if you keep your eyes out on a uh, complex, that's where most of my work is nowadays. Um, and most of the stuff that is probably relevant to to the stuff that you guys cover on this um, and some odds and ends here and there uh, on GQ as well.
0: Nice. Mr. Seabury, you you talked a little bit about Santa sundry, but tell us what's coming up this week.
1: Yeah, man. Um, well, the last two reviews I recorded were um, Elvis and Thor Love and Thunder. So look out for one of those this week. Uh, the best way to do it is go to the On Location Memphis YouTube channel or their Facebook page. Um, and, uh, you know, that's pretty much what I got popping. Up. And also you can listen to past episodes of Black Nerd Power on the Kazookian app. That's K-U-D-Z-U-K-I-N. And I would appreciate your support.
0: Yeah. And Mr. Hunter Camp, what are you streaming this week?
2: Well, I'm continuing to stream uh, Life is Strange to Colors. It is, I'm, I'm still heartbroken from the first chapter, but I'm going to be picking that back up. And that's going to be at twitch.tv forward slash oh. I am Hunter Camp. I um, also wanted to tell the people next week, on something coming in the future, we do have this book picking up. Yes,
0: we we forgot to mention we're doing a Book of the Month Club, so we're starting with Naomi Season 1, Brian Michael Bendis. Can he bring back the magic of of Miles Morales? We will tell you on the next episode. And we also have some other big things coming down the pipe for Mm -hmm. this show, but we'll tell you on next week's episode. Uh, We'd like to thank you for listening. Don't forget, leave us a 5 Thanos review over on... Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a comment down below on your thoughts on Love and Thunder if you're watching on YouTube. Don't forget to check out the Geek So To Speak Podcast Network where we have the video game podcast, the Sandbox Gamers, the Star Trek podcast, Trek and the Geek News podcast, Geek So To Speak. All of those things can be found at geekso slash network. And I love everyone who is listening to this. If you're watching this show right now on YouTube, I love you brothers and sisters why why are we doing brother love (laughs) because brother love brother love loves comics and you should too